What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to First in Tech. I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Jake Cacavara. And I'm Video Editor Jalen Harrington. And today we're going to talk about NC State football and its win over Syracuse on Thursday night and highlighting the or previewing the Boston College game coming up this weekend. But first, like we do every episode, we're going to talk about something from the sports world. Today, we're going to talk about a game that happened Monday night, Lions and Packers. I'm sure you guys saw it all over SportsCenter and all over the talk shows, but Trey Flowers, uh, defensive lineman for the Lions, was flagged twice for illegal hands to the face, neither of which were illegal hands to the face. And that really, you know, among some other controversial things, like just really kind of messed up the the Lions here. And had, really, they had a big chance to win this game and get a signature win early in the season, and it just didn't happen. So, you know, can I get a take from one of you guys? Oh, yeah, no, it, it screwed the Lions over. The, the first call, it's, I think, third and six, something like that. Uh, there's about eight minutes left, and they're – Packers are on, I think, the 35-yard line. Uh, the Lions are up 22-13. First hands to the face gets called. Trey Flowers, no, it wasn't even Trey Flowers who sacked him. One of their, I think it might have been Ashawn Robinson, one of their defensive linemen, sacks Aaron Rodgers, like a 10-yard loss. It's going to be fourth in, something like 16. They're, it, it was right at around midfield, so the Packers are going to have to punt. They're going to have to punt with eight minutes left, down nine. It, the math on the likelihood to win is probably very small. You just don't have a good chance. Ref throws the flag for illegal use of hands to the face after the sack already happened. It, was so it wasn't even he didn't even throw it when yeah. it happened. Threw it afterwards. They, that negates the sack, gives him first down. Two plays later, Rogers throws a bomb, touchdown. All of a sudden it's 22-20, and you got yourself a game. Then the second one, um the Cal the Packers are probably gonna score anyway. So they're driving in. Um it's third down. Uh Lines are out of timeouts. Um, I think it was like a minute and a half left. Um, if the Packers got the first down, they were going to just run out the remainder of the clock, kick the game-winning field goal. Like they did. It, like they did. But Rodgers' pass was incomplete. So yeah. the clock would have been stopped with about a minute and a half left. The, the Lions would have gotten the ball back with 90 seconds to get into field goal range. They've got the kicker with one of the – who holds the record for longest field goal in NFL history, Matt Prater. Matt Prater it, yeah. He's got a boot. Matthew Stafford, like, leads the league in fourth-quarter comebacks. It, it it was set up for them to win. Ref throws the flag again. Same ref for illegal use of hands to the face. Neither of them were hands to the face. Both were – they were just on the shoulder pad. I'll give it to David Bakhtiari, the left tackle. He sold both of them well. Like, he threw his head back, made it look like he was getting pushed up in the face mask, but he wasn't. It screwed the Lions over. First cost them a touchdown, then cost them the chance to drive down the field and win. The Packers, of course, ended up kicking the game-winning field goal as time expired. And it just it just screwed them. The NFL came out a few hours ago and said that the second call was the wrong call, shouldn't have been called, but that doesn't do anything. And it's stupid how NFL referees aren't held accountable for anything. Like, it, it, if a player screws up, if... If, say, Aaron Rodgers threw a game-losing interception, he would have had to answer a question about it in the press conference. But the referees, they don't have to do anything. They don't get in trouble. They don't get questions asked to them. It's its ridiculous. I, I hate it. And NFL officiating has gotten worse, seems like, every year the last decade. Yeah, and what really got exposed there was the fact that these referees, they don't see everything. And what they do is a lot of guessing, right? So the ref isn't watching the play very well you know he's got it's exactly what it looked like was guessing he's got a whole offensive line to watch a whole offensive line so he just sees Bakhtiari's head go back and he's like oh 
that must have been hands to the face. Yeah. Right? It must have been. But it wasn't. And those two calls cost them the game, you know, and that's an important game, you know, for the rest of the season. You know, what this really makes me think about is the fact that during the offseason, there was mention of plans for like a sky referee. Yeah. Could immediately come down and like reverse calls. Isn't it the like, XFL that's doing that or something? It was the uh, it was right. the AAF. The AAF, AAF right. first had it. Yeah, yeah. And well, the thing is, that's a great idea, you know. But referees hate to overturn referees' calls. You know, they allow pass interference to be reviewable, and everybody's like, "Oh, great! Now it can fix these bad calls." There's been like one pass interference call this year that's been overturned. You know, these referees don't do a good job. And then they refuse to correct calls during the game when calls are challengeable. And then after the game, they face no punishment. You know, there's a real problem here with NFL's refereeing. And they have to solve that. Like, because now it's hurting, you know, wins and losses rather than, oh, you know, Detroit should have played better. That's usually what they say. No, this cost them the game. And you can't deny that. Even even Booger McFarland couldn't deny that. And I think it— I think it might have been Belichick who's saying, like, he wants to have all calls be reviewable. Because they came through and they're like, okay, we're going to be able to review pass interference calls. That's great. It really hasn't—doesn't seem like it's done a whole lot yet. And it's really put in place to prevent things like what happened in New Orleans last year in the playoffs. But it just seems like calls like that, just obvious things, where, like, the hand is just obviously not in the face. It's on the shoulder pad. It's where it needs to be. And I think Trey Flowers, it was like his first um, illegal hands to the face call while he's been in the NFL, like his entire career. And I know that doesn't really necessarily say a whole lot about whether it was a flag or not, but it was pretty obvious that it wasn't. And stuff like that, like you said, Jalen, it just it cost him the game and it's now messing with wins and losses as opposed to just like 10 yards. And it's a big difference there. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. And, you know, it seems like the refs are under more and more scrutiny every year. So we'll see how that goes. But now let's move on to NC State. Coming off a 16-10 to win Thursday night. Nice little atmosphere there in Carter-Finley. But it did get a little sketchy there at the end. It looked like NC State was kind of going to run away with it for a while. Syracuse came back, scored a fourth-quarter touchdown, got the ball back with a chance to win the game. And uh, a couple false start 10-second runoffs helped the pack win that one. But... What are your overall takeaways from the game, Jalen? Right. My takeaway was I want my flowers. I want my flowers for writing at the very beginning of the season that this is one of Doran's best defenses. I wrote that. I came in here. You laughed at me. (laughs) You laughed at me, and I said, wait, just wait. This is a great defense, okay? It is. And even with all of the injuries, you know, Chris Ingram goes down at right before halftime. Nick McLeod is already out. They're down. They're number one, number two, number five corners. Now Tyon Palmer is also out for the year. And they still won. And they still limited Syracuse to 10 points. You know, Syracuse's offense was just horrible. It was absolutely terrible. They had three three and outs to start the game. It was so bad that Dino Babers started running the Wildcat just to get them first down. Three, three game, three plays in a row. Yeah, where Syracuse ran the Wildcat yeah. of an opening a drive. Yeah, and they got a first down, and then I think a couple yards on the third play. Yeah, I mean, and that was the only way they could move the ball until NC State adjusted. And I told you last week, 
when Jake was telling you Syracuse is good, X and Y and Z, I told you <laughs> Tommy DeVito ain't Eric Dungy. He's and not. we saw that. You know, I tried scared a little bit. Right. I tried to ask Lewis Seuss about this after the game, but he didn't give me anything. Mm. You know, there was a play where third down, Tommy DeVito scrambles out of the pocket. He could fight for that first down. He sees Lewis Seuss and he just falls on the ground. He's like, you know what? No, I'm fine. We'll I, pump the ball. I think it's at cool. least two of those sacks were was like intentional the grounding. Yeah, well, that's true. The pocket yeah. was like collapsing. Yeah, and without even really being sacked to the ground, he just kind of fell because yeah. he had nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, he was he was going down really easy, you know. And you know, we might say he's playing hurt, but okay, Eric Dungey played while he was hurt, and he would still fight. You know, I was really disappointed with Tommy DeVito in well, his fight. I don't even think. I don't think DeVito even played poorly as much as he just never had any time. Like, he completed 74% of his passes, threw for 300 yards, didn't turn the ball over. There's way too much pressure. Yeah, he was just sacked, I think, eight times. Like, he, when when the line on on the few times that actually gave him time to throw, he was able to find the open receiver, but that line and Laurel Murchison... Was just ridiculous. I like mean, Devito didn't throw a pick, so no. it's not like he was making bad throws. But like he you said, there time. was just no time. I mean, you look how in college football sacks, which is dumb, sacks count as negative rushing yards. Yeah, Devito yeah. had 15 <laughs> carries. I put that in air quotes. Carries for yeah. negative 15 yards. Yeah, and he just he didn't have time to throw, and the defensive line was just. I mean, I think this is the best game of this. It played really well against Florida State. For sure, but I think this was the best the defensive line and the linebackers have played all season. Oh, most definitely. And, I mean, this was evident from the first play. I I believe the first play from scrimmage for Syracuse, there was a screen pass or something set up, and there was a little bit of a rush, and DeVito threw the ball away, standing in the pocket. (laughs) And it was like, what are you doing? Like, NC State was just in the backfield whenever they wanted to be, and you know, they came up with the sacks that they weren't coming up with the first couple games of the year, and it shows just how good this defense is and the fact that while this offense is still struggling to put points up on the board, you know, the defense can't carry this team even with those injuries. And what did you guys think of that last drive? Because Syracuse scored the touchdown to make it a six-point game, and then I believe NC State either went three and out or either way it was a quick drive. And then Syracuse got the ball back with, like, a little less than two minutes left, I think. It was driving down the field about the 40 or 50-yard line, had a false start while they were trying to rush up to the line. That's a 10-second runoff because they didn't have any more timeouts. And then again, there was a, I believe there it was a sack maybe on the second to last or on the last play. And then again, they were rushing up to the line. Another false start and the 10-second runoff at that time runs out the clock to double zeros. Right. Um. You know, defense was doing their standard thing of, it's the last drive. We're going to sit back, let them complete easy passes, rally up and tackle. So Syracuse started moving down the field. You know, they got a little too close, and I feel like every NC State fan was thinking, all right, where's the pressure? Boom, there's the pressure. You know, and they get that sack from Birch. You know, it just showed that you kind of, for the first time in a long time, you want NC State's defense to be on the field last. You know, when Ryan Finley was here, if, you know, if State was going to be in a tough time in the fourth quarter, you want the ball in the offense's hands trying to go and score points. Now it's the other way around. You want to rely on that defense to get you stops because, you know, they've shown that they can do that. And it was actually funny at the very end of the game when Syracuse was called for that second false start, 
Dave Doran was extremely unhappy with the referees. <laughs> he was extremely <laughs> unhappy with that review. And they come back review and go, after review, the game is over. <laughs> I'm not sure what they were reviewing. Because yeah. you can't review a false start. It was bizarre. So it was just about the clock, and it's a 10-second runoff. It was obviously under 10 seconds. Exactly. So it was just like one second left. So I'm not sure really what they were confirming. Yeah. But either way, it was kind of weird. Yeah, personally, I was wondering why they even called the false start because time was running out. I mean, just let them do their thing. Well, you still got the black. It is a penalty. You Here, still, here's my you thing. still call it a penalty. They <laughs> ruined my merch with the walk-off sack tweet is what really uh, upset that me. That is true. Because that, <laughs> that would have been awesome to end the game on that sack. We just go home. What an ending for NC State. So the defense obviously stepping up. Moving to the offense, Hockman got the start. 16 for 27, 205 yards, no touchdowns, one pick, was sacked three times. What did really did you see from him? And, you know, is he again going to get the start this week, as I assume most fans would think? Right. He will get the start this week um, against Boston College. And Devin Leary's still pushing for time. Um, I will say it wasn't a great game for Bailey Hockman. Um, he was good. He was better than McKay, most definitely. Um but he suffers from some of the same issues. Um, he's jittery in the pocket. He'll run out of the pocket before he should. Um, it's tough for him once he gets past his first read. You know, if his first thing is open, he's good. He's good. He can get the ball out. He's confident. You like all of that. Um, but going from, you know, one to go through two, three, and four, that's tough for him. And he's struggling with that. Um, another thing, he's still struggling to get the ball in the end zone for NC State. And that's not good. You know, the that's first, not that's not just this year though. Like the red zone offense, the last couple of years, even when Ryan Finley was yeah. here, just wasn't that good. Yeah, but I mean, you know, McKay went up against admittedly worse teams, but also at West Virginia, McKay scored points. So, you know, I will say there's something to it that Bailey Hockman does need to get better in the red zone. Um, but at the same time, there was also plays that were on the play calling. Like, why are you calling a run there instead of? letting him maybe pass the ball. There was some times where a right tackle would let a defender right through and Bailey would get hit. So it's not all on him, but it's not good that in the red zone they're constantly having to take field goals. And, you know, a game that should have been probably 28-3 to at half ends up being 16, and that allows Syracuse to stay in the game and work through stuff and finally figure out how to score points, and that's not good for NC State. If I remember correctly, before the game, you know, Dorn was hinting at Leary would see time in uh, in this game. And he had that one drive. I don't remember if it was first or second half, but he had that one drive. He went one for three. He didn't really look that bad. You know, I didn't think that drive was his fault. I think there was a drop or two there. He looked good, you know, individually. And right. I was surprised to see him not get more time. Right, so Devin Leary gets into the game. They run a, a reverse the first play, um, a couple runs after that, and then he throws the best ball of the game, uh, seam pass to Thayer Thomas, yeah. perfect placement. Great and I was throw. really impressed with that. He comes back, next play wheel route to Keon Lassane, puts it right in his hands, and Keon Lassane drops it. That was the one he was diving for, right, up the side? Right, right. Okay. Uh, next play, I believe there was a long run by Jordan Houston, got them a first down, called back for holding. And that disrupts the entire drive. So the next play, the most bizarre play I've seen in college football, Devin Leary holds on to the ball for too long, almost gets sacked. I think I counted five times, 
runs over to the sideline, still has not let the ball go, finally decides to pass and gets crushed. Um, yeah, he, he kind of hesitated for a moment because he had, I don't remember who it was, but a receiver was, you know, running down, you know, across the middle of the field, but he was open, like yeah. wide open. Yeah. But he was pretty far away, so he went to step into one and just took a little bit too long and kind of got creamed. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking to myself, throw the ball, kid, throw the ball. Like, that's the thing with both Hawkman and Leary at times. They have to think, get the ball out. One thing with McKay was McKay would get the ball out even if he had to throw it away. You know, you don't want to put yourself in a position to take a hit, and that's something they're going to learn. But I think Leary's going to see time again at Boston College, and I still think he might be the best option at quarterback for NC State. And I think maybe the second best ball thrown in that game was Thayer Thomas. Oh, absolutely. Because that trick play was beautiful, and it worked to perfection. Well, that's the thing. NC State's realizing if they need a touchdown pass— they go to Thayer Thomas. <laughs> That's his, what, second of the year? Yeah. yeah. I mean, at this point, he might be QB3 on the Dutch star. Who knows? He might be the best option. I mean, McKay has McKay leads the team with three touchdown throws on the year. Thayer has two. Bailey, I think, has one. Yeah. <laughs> so that tells you Thayer how it's going with this Twice season. as many touchdowns as Hawkman on 75 fewer attempts. Yeah. So there you go. There's like a stat. It. Another thing um, that I do want to mention, um, again, I mentioned this in my takeaways. I don't know who Carrie Angeline pissed off, but they need to throw him the ball. <laughs> when you have young quarterbacks who aren't doing well, one good way to help them out is throwing to a 6-7 guy that they can't defend. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times where Bailey Hockman's going through his reads, and it's clear that he doesn't think he can get the ball to these guys. And I'm like, dude. Carey has a linebacker on him that's 6'1". Put it up high, let the big man go and get it. You know, there needs to be a little more trust given to Carey, I think, and there needs to be a little more emphasis on getting him the ball because he can really be the security blanket for these quarterbacks. I feel like that should be a regular play is to go to him every drive, every other drive, whatever it is. But that should be a an easy reception once in once in a while because of how big he is and he's a big target. You know, a young quarterback shouldn't be able to miss him. So I agree with you there. I want to talk a little bit about the running game because, you know, at least against Syracuse and I think in the last couple of games, it hasn't really been what we thought it could be. And Zonovan Knight had 15 attempts, only 62 yards um, and a t- and uh, no touchdowns. And then Houston had 13 attempts, 56 yards, no touchdowns. You know, person still, you know, battling some injuries there, I think. And, but, you know, the, those two there, even though they're young, I feel like should be able to get a little bit more than that. Right. Um, yeah. And maybe it's that they're not, you know, giving the ball to them as much as they should be, or at least as much as they were at the beginning of the season. Right. I would, I would say NC State's offense is probably a little too balanced at this point. And maybe that's a result of, not being able to throw the ball as well as you want to. Bailey Hockman threw 27 passes. Zonovan Knight and uh, and Jordan Houston combined for 28 carries. You know, each of them averaged 4.1, 4.2 yards a carry, which isn't horrible. You know, that's pretty I mean, that, good. That's fair, You'll accept yeah. that, right? It's not great. Um, but I think Jordan Houston started off a lot better than four yards a carry. So that's another thing to note. Um, NC State has also changed the way they ran a little bit. You know, in the first quarter, we saw a lot of outside-of-the-tackle run plays, and that's where Jordan really shines. And then we saw a little bit more of them trying to go between the tackles. That wasn't working out. One thing to note, 
Syracuse has one of the better defensive lines in the ACC. So the running attack wasn't going to be as good as it usually is. And I wasn't surprised that the numbers were kind of low. But I was surprised that neither running back scored a touchdown. You know, usually in the red zone, they'll make sure to feed, you know, feed those guys and make sure they get in the end zone. And that didn't happen against Syracuse. So let's move on to talking about Boston College here. Boston College is coming off a thrilling game against Louisville. I think it was 41-39. Came down to the wire. Really an entertaining game to watch. And, you know, when I look at the stats here, Boston College threw 33 times. They only completed 15 passes. They rushed it 45 times, which included A.J. Dillon at 118 yards. So you look at NC State's defense, been really good against the run. It's going to be a pretty major test, I think, similar to what we saw in Cam Akers in Florida State with A.J. Dillon at Boston College. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this game against Syracuse carries over. Right. Um, I would say one major difference from Syracuse, Syracuse's O-line is terrible. You know, it was in the hundreds in terms of sacks allowed. Boston College, for multiple reasons, is one of the top teams in the country and not allowing sacks. One of those reasons is because they always run the ball. The other is because they're really good, and Steve Adazio loves line play. Um, so it's going to be hard for NC State. You know, their best unit is their defense. They're going up against a great offensive line. It's going to be harder for them to generate pressure, but they're going to need to to stop the run and to hurt or to stop this um, new quarterback. What's his name? Yeah, uh, Dennis Grossel. And I think Dennis that'll Grossel. help them stop the run in that they can load the box. They can put eight in the box on almost every play. Make Grossel beat you through the air because he, he came in because Brown got was knocked out of the Louisville game. Grossel right. came in, went nine for 24 for 111 yards. I don't think that's he's, what you love to see. Yeah, exactly. He's just he's not going to beat you with his arms. Boston College doesn't have any playmakers at wide receiver. It's A.J. Dillon, and if A.J. Dillon's not churning out yards, they're not putting up points. You saw Kansas shut him down in the first half, and that was enough. I mean, you lose to Kansas, like you got some explaining to do. So, I don't, I don't think they're. I think AJ Dillon might have. He might put up 120, 130 yards, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's on 30 carries. If they just try and control the tempo of the game and try and keep NC State's offense off the field, because Boston College can't stop a fly. Right. Their defense is atrocious. I mean, they let up 41 to Louisville, 27 to Wake Forest, 48 to Kansas. <laughs> 28 to Virginia Tech. Like their their defense is just incredibly bad. Now NC State's offense isn't the best, but the best cure for a bad offense is a worse defense. That's true. And I I don't know. I I don't see how if NC State sticks to what they do best and doesn't try to kind of go off script, if they can stay on script, if they don't have to play from behind or anything, I, I think they should be able to put up points similar to how they did in the first half against West Virginia. Well, one thing I would say to note is the normal strategy in a game like this from NC State would be, all right, we're going to put our corners on islands, we're going to load up the box, we're going to stop the run. Do they change that because Nick McLeod's out? Chris Ingram may be out. We're not sure if he's going to play. He was on the depth chart, but Doran said he had to meet with the trainers and really you know, find out what's up with him. If they're out their top two corners, do you really want to put your number three and your number four on islands all game long? So does that change the strategy going up against even a bad quarterback, giving them a little help 
and does that hurt their ability to stop AJ Dillon? Well, my my thing is is Boston College doesn't really have receivers. Like their leading receiver is a tight end. Yeah, yeah, and Hunter Long is a pretty good tight end too. He, he he's probably going to get drafted. Um, he'll probably stick around. He, he's a Sunday player. But they don't have skill position players at wide receiver. They have Zay Flowers, who's a burner. You don't want to get deep. You don't want to get beat deep by him because he'll run by you. He's averaging almost twenty yards per reception. But other than that, their third Kobe White is their number two receiver. He's averaging less than fifteen yards a, care, a, a catch. He only has two hundred yards in six games now. It's just they don't throw the ball very well. They didn't throw the ball very well with Anthony Brown. Yeah. Now you've got a backup quarterback who. Couldn't even move the ball against Louisville. I, I think you take your chances, putting your corners on islands against them, because even if they get beat a little bit, what's to say the quarterback A will even have time to make a throw and B can make a throw accurately? No. You look, you look at the stats from that Boston College game. Before Brown came out of the game, he was six for seven for 193 yards. Yeah, yeah, that's Boston College's offense. They run, 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 play action you, and hit you deep. And that yeah. was what happened. They had their longest completion was 72 yards. Right. That was part of his 193. But then, like Jake, like you said, when, when Grossel came into the game, nine for 24, 111 yards. He did throw three touchdowns, but you know that was after leaning on the run to get down into the red zone. I think we, even with, you know, some guys out in the secondary, I think you stick to what you've been doing and you stop the run because I feel like, you know, in, in lamest terms, the loss in at cornerback for NC State cancels out the loss at quarterback for Boston College. So if you have those two things, you know, kind of equally, you know, equaling each other out, you stop the run, make A.J. Dillon, make sure A.J. Dillon is com- contained, and then you make Grossel beat you in the air when you know that he probably can't. It's what it's what Bill Belichick likes to do for the Patriots is you you just completely eliminate what a team likes to do most whatever they're best at you make them play left-handed if you just focus on if you just stop and it's easier said than done but if you put all your effort into slowing down AJ Dillon just don't let AJ Dillon be normal AJ Dillon make Boston College play from behind make them have to throw the ball a lot with their backup quarterback who's never started a game before that's how you'll win is don't don't let Boston College do what it's good at don't don't if you let them get up a score, if they score first drive, they're up seven, nothing. That's how how Boston College likes to play. They like to play from a from a point of power where they can just hand it off to AJ Dillon and let him grind out yards. Maybe punt, but punt after like a forty yard drive where you took off almost five minutes of time and you keep the ball out of the hands of the opposing offense. Say so your defense isn't there to get burnt every play. Right. One thing's for sure, we're gonna find out just how bad NC State's offense is this week. Because if they can't put up points against Boston College, they're not putting up points against anybody in the ACC. And I could see, honestly, I could see this game being kind of like the Florida State game, too, where knowing how bad Boston College's defense is, if Hawkman struggles the first few drives, Dave might just, Doran might go ahead and just put in Leary. Like, I, I, I truly, at this point, like, I don't know what Doran's going to do because there was no rhyme or reason to that Florida State game when Hawkman yeah. just came in quickly instead of them having him start. So I wouldn't be surprised like if Hawkman struggles a few on the road against maybe the worst defense in the ACC, I could see him just going to Leary to kind of spark the team. And who knows from there? But I've been very down on the offense pretty much the whole season. I don't think they'll struggle. And I don't think it'll be Hawkman. I think Hawkman will be a game manager throughout this game. But I think 
and I'm not sure if Ricky Person is going to be good to go. Probably not. Probably I, not. But I, I saw him on campus. He's in a boot on crutches. Yeah, that's so. what I thought. But still, I think Zonovan Knight and Jordan Houston is going to be enough. I think they'll be able to run all over him. Like, Kansas ran all over him. They were able to throw it, too. Um, Rutgers had success. Rutgers kept it close in the first half by running. And now, I mean, Rutgers is just Rutgers a, is Rutgers. a joke of a program. <laughs> um, Louisville, now, their running was more scrambles like their quarterback can run which right. isn't nc state strength but it's still the running and their run defense is just terrible i think um i was looking at their stats they're they're letting up o- almost 200 yards per game on the ground i i think nc state's going to go run heavy but i've thought that before i thought that against west virginia then after the first quarter they just yeah. stopped running the ball yeah yeah i i think nc state should be able to put up a lot of points i think i'm also not confident that they will well, let's put let's let's uh, move into that a little bit because I want to ask for your score predictions here. You know, it's it's at Boston College. Given everything we've just talked about, what do you think the score is going to be for this game? You go first. I'll go Jake. first. I I want to predict a shootout because I think that's what this could be. But at the end of the day, I don't trust either offense. I think NC State's defense is rounding into form. So I'll probably go. I, I think NC State wins. Um, but I think it's close. Give me something like may like twenty three thirteen. Twenty three ten around there. I'm gonna go twenty seven to fourteen NC State. They're gonna need a little separation to win, so I think probably a last minute like field goal by Chris Dunn just to put it out of reach. But I don't know, man. I don't trust this offense to score points and I think there's a good chance they put up like thirteen. For no reason at all. I'm going to go like 27-21. I think that's, you know, it's still going to be close. I don't see either team for any reason getting more than a, you know, two to three touchdown win. So I think NC State does win this one because of that ability to stop the run. And if NC State sticks to that and makes the quarterback beat them in the air with A.J. Dillon contained, I feel like NC State's going to have a pretty good chance to win this one. I agree. All right, so we'll see what happens on on Saturday. But until then, until next week, when we talk about, you know, what actually happened in this game, I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Jake Takavara. And I'm Video Editor Jalen Harrington. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>